Welcome back to Texas by Design. I'm Clayton Black, the Chief Strategy and Business Development Officer for Jones and Carter, and I'm joined today uh, by Omar Isfar from Wilson Cribs and Gorin. Omar, thanks glad for having me. You. Yeah, man, glad good you're to be here. on. Always a good uh, excuse to get together. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So. Well, if you don't mind, start us out. Would love for our audience to hear a little bit about your professional background, and then we'll kind of dive into some topics for today. Okay, sure. Uh, I'm an attorney with Wilson Cribs and Gorin. Um, I work in land development, so land use, zoning, um, a lot of local regulations, uh, navigating that, and um, I represent, you know, lenders doing diligence, buyers, and um, developers who are, you know, uh, looking to entitle a project. And um, that's that's pretty much all I do. Awesome. And before you were at Wilson Cribs and Gorin, and where I first met you, um, you worked sure. at the city, the city of Houston, Houston yeah. for nearly ten years in the city attorney's office, um, working with the Houston Planning Commission and the Historic Commission and several other, and you know, mostly uh, counseling the planning and public works departments. Yeah. So um, it, that was a really great learning experience for me. We we uh, did a lot of uh, updating of the city's codes and. Um, you know, Houston's a really unique city from a land development perspective, so there's the opportunity to really think creatively and critically about how to, you know, solve development challenges. You know, you need you still need some semblance of development regulation in a city without a formal zoning code, so. Yeah, and I want to get into that later. I want to yeah, talk a little because it's certainly a unique um, situation compared to most other uh, municipalities mm -hmm. that we work in, and I know probably you're in the same boat. Um, well, I'd like to kind of talk a little bit to start, you know, because you, you, you now work a lot with private industry um, on land development projects, assisting mm -hmm. on that side, and of course worked for a long time in-house at the city of Houston, uh, representing, you know, the public entity of the city of Houston. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what has um, that experience working on both sides really taught you, um, you know, so far? Well, um, I, I think it's easy um, to be on the public sector side and think developers are motivated differently from a city. It's easy to be on the developer side and think cities are motivated differently. But I think what I realize is that while that's sometimes the case, there's, you know, we're all people here and we're all similarly motivated. There are developers who have, you know, the public interest in mind and there are local governments that are motivated financially. And um, what, what we really are trying to do here is just cooperate in the building of our, you know, society. Just getting developments done, yeah. and um, and and I think that um, Houston has a great pro-development culture, and so it was never there's never antagonism. It's not really adversarial, and so on both sides. I think I was able to um, see how public and private sectors cooperate. Um, economic development uh, and in also in, in just designing projects. Yeah, and I know we see that from our side too, so yeah. I, I'm glad that that's your perspective. So yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, the kind of next thing I wanted to talk about, you know, in my career, right, um, development has changed a lot. I'm thinking in particular about, um, you know, 18 years ago, there wasn't a whole lot of true mixed-use development going on. Mm. Sure. Um, you know, across yeah. the state of Texas, and and today it seems like basically every project you touch has some level of, of you know, mixed use uh, component mm -hmm. to it, and that's just one area where things have changed, right? I think on the single family side, you've got different lot mixes and mm -hmm. different goals, and uh, the industrial side has changed, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, sure. You know, I'd, I'd be interested kind of to hear um, how you have seen really development regulations 
um, try to keep up and how you have seen these public entities try try to move to attract mm. different development types? It's challenging. It's a real challenge because, you know, from a, a regulatory standpoint, it, it's hard to require. And it's also hard to facilitate even when the project is being brought to you. At, um, from a city's perspective, right? And from a developer's perspective, there's challenges in underwriting, there's challenges in designing, there's challenges uh, in navigating the regulations that aren't quite there. I mean, you can take a mixed-use development and try to put it into a traditional zoning classification. Even if that zoning classification is commercial and it's inclusive of less intense zoning classifications, you know, you can't just say, well, the code allows me to do residential and the code allows me to do commercial and I'll put them together if those residential standards are designed for you know R0, R1, traditional single-family neighborhoods well that's not what you're looking to do either. Right. Um, I've seen uh, performance standards where including first floor retail means you know certain dispensation I mean that's easier to do in a form-based place like Houston although Houston doesn't have that but um, you know, certainly with a traditional zoning code, that's one hurdle. I think, I think what normally happens, and I think early attempts to regulate and promote mixed use have um, sort of just evolved into every mixed use development going through a planned development process, yeah. right? So you go to a city, you have a great idea. Okay, we're going to have a, a planned development, a custom rezoning of whatever land you want, and we're going to, um, you know, figure out how it's going to work. And so from the city's perspective, it's great, let's sit down and, and talk about how, how to make this work or whether it can work. And from the developer's perspective, it's, it's different. It's, um, it's six months, uh, and, and you know how long that is in, in the current real estate market. Right. Uh, it's an That's eternity. Forever. <laughs> and, and six months is, is an entitlement process that is lightning fast in some parts of the country. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it's an eternity right here. It's six months, it's civil engineering fees, it's fees to you, it's fees to the architect, it's attorney's fees, and it's uncertainty. Um, because from, in their mind, maybe you're flipping a coin at the end of six months to see what happens. And you try to mitigate that risk by having pre-development meetings, by, happen, by, by talking to stakeholders, you know, making sure that um, everyone's okay with the, with the way this is progressing, take everyone's temperature, make sure it's okay, and if at any point it's not okay, well then you not, might not want to invest you know, all the money and time and um, test your seller's patience to, to get this done. Well, and I think for our audience, you know, the plan development side is um, versus kind of a traditional, you know what it's zoned as and you come in and you perform under those, those standards. Mm -hmm. I mean, the plan development side is a much more collaborative um, and, and, you know, collaborative process, mm -hmm, I guess, mm -hmm. really, where you have the developer uh, and the city and stakeholders really um, in many ways kind of coming together and trying to figure out what this thing is ultimately going to look like. Sure. Yeah, and, and, and you'll, see, you'll see in some cities there have been attempts to zone the type of mixed-use plan development up front to attract uh, the end user. Yeah, and I don't know that that always works out as intended, right? The, yeah. the market drives the development more than the zoning. The zoning is something that you need to work through to get the development built. And so, um, you know, I don't know that I can put too much on cities and counties for uh, um, 
maybe not creating a climate that automatically entitles a mixed-use development. That's so challenging. It is very challenging. And I think part of the reason it always has to go through a planned development process is that each of these developments is kind of custom. Yeah, and you and need all the stake the stakeholders on yeah. board to really to really mm -hmm. figure out mm -hmm. what it's ultimately going to look like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. I think that's the same thing we've seen. Yeah. So, I know. Part of what your organization does, your firm does, is um, you guys uh, spend a lot of time tracking legal outcomes of, of cases to see, um, you know, how that might change the landscape or, sure. you know, what um, new challenges or opportunities does this open up for, for cities and for the development community. Um, we'd love to hear some uh, of your thoughts on maybe interesting um, or impactful legal case outcome in recent history. Okay. Well. Um you know, in the past few years, we have had some significant, um, you know, cases that deal with land regulation. Uh, you know, in the last few years, there's the, the Kerr-Harris County flood case, which is a big deal, um, that had to do with um, liability for flood regulations. And, mm -hmm. and I think that, um, that just that holding um, really changed the regulatory landscape. We've seen um, you know, you've seen in particular drainage regulations get really beefed up everywhere. Yeah. Um, we have the um, Bizios case, which um, uh, that had to do with application of building codes and the ETJ. We're currently living in the middle of this um, sort of war between county and city authority. Um, the legislature stepped in recently with annexation changes and things like that. Um, and so there's a, you know, there's a question of authority. If the city's not going to annex, how are they going to, you know, do they really have the right to regulate in, in the ETJ? And that's, I think it's going to play out for a few more years before we see where that lands. But there's certainly a tension right now where that authority starts and stops. Um, recently, this year, we have the Supreme Court weighing in on uh, Houston's Historic Preservation Ordinance. And um, that was challenged back in 2013, 2015 by a resident of the Heights here in Houston. And it went all the way up to the Supreme Court and it was argued by um, a local law professor, uh, Matt Festa at South Texas. And uh, that's an interesting case because it's not very often you hear a court weighing in on whether Houston can zone, which is, which is a topic near and dear to me. Yeah, this right? is the city of Houston, I, right? This is the city yeah. of Houston, you know, and um, you know, they're drawing districts on the ground. They're saying these are the land use rules in this district and these are the land use rules outside of the district. We have, you know, special minimum lot size ordinances that say, here's the use inside a district. It's remarkable. It's Houston has no zoning, right? But they have a circle on a map that says this is the use. And, um, and you know, th this is where the setbacks don't apply. You have, you know, the central business district with no setbacks, no parking. You have the medical center with different parking. There's all sorts of layers of regulation in Houston that resemble, um, you know, zones. And, but you have the Supreme Court saying that, you know, it is and it isn't. Um, there, the, if you take a minute to read the opinion, and if you're at all interested in this topic, it's, it's really, it's, a, it's kind of an interesting read. But um, for purposes of the State Zoning Enabling Act, which says that if you want to regulate historic preservation, you, uh, you do it in a zoning ordinance. And then you have the city charter that says that, um, you know, if you want to have a zoning ordinance, you have to, you know, have an election, basically. Uh, th that was after the 92 failure, the, uh, where the city tried the to, city implement, tried zoning. to implement zoning in 92 yeah. or 93, and they failed. 
and the uh, city council uh, amended the charter to say no zoning ever um, unless it goes through you know a state a citywide election uh, probably never have a zoning ordinance in Houston meanwhile we have all those things that are like zoning which was Powell's um, uh, claim it's Powell versus city of Houston at the Supreme Court and um, and it's a good argument but the Supreme Court said that um, it's not zoning it is zoning for purposes of having a zoning commission, which they said Houston's Planning and Zoning Commission is a zoning commission. They said the ordinance is a comprehensive plan, so it is a zoning ordinance. But for purposes of the Charter and the Zoning Enabling Act, it's not a zoning ordinance. And so... It's very interesting. I, I, and, it's, and it's an is, but it isn't. It is, but it isn't. Yeah. And, but, but the outcome is that the preservation ordinance is fine. The court went through the trouble of outlining a variety of different things that Houston does that are like zoning, but they're fine. And that tracks a long history of cases where the where courts have consistently upheld the types of things that Houston does, distances for a variety of sensitive uses. You know, at the heart of zoning is nuisance law, right? Keeping yeah. incompatible uses apart from each other, which is what Houston does through distance requirements, but sometimes also by drawing circles on a map. Yeah. And so, but that's, that's legal. That's really interesting. And the case was again. It's Powell versus City of Houston. Okay. Very interesting. I'm yeah, sure I think it just came out in January or February. It'll be interesting to yeah. see how that uh, how that shapes the the development uh, um, landscape. Yeah, or, or yeah, how the regulations change going forward. Well, that kind of leads me into the next thing I wanted to talk with you a little bit about. I think you spent a lot of your career working in the city of Houston, and I think one of the um, interesting aspects from a development perspective about the city of Houston is that there really is no zoning, which we've <laughs> yeah. we've talked about a lot. Um, so I think that can create some advantages and, and potentially some, some hurdles, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I'd love to hear kind of your perspective, particularly because you have worked both for the city and for the development community. You know, what do you see really as the advantages and disadvantages of working in a city sure. uh, that does not have zoning? Sure. Um, well, um, you know, we've talked about how in a zone city, you go through a planned development process for a complicated project. And I think even though it takes six months, which again is pretty fast, but at the end of that, you're entitled. You know what you're looking at, you know what you're gonna build, you know, importantly, uh, if what, if any exactions the city's going to request from you, what you're gonna have to pay or build or reconstruct, and then you have your project and you're good to go, and you submit plans and, you know, it's building code issues, right? And it, once you get past those, you're done and you're under construction. And, and in Houston, um, entitlement is mostly the subdivision planning process. There's no real more entitlement than that except to get planned, uh, you know, stamped plans. So ordinarily it's not going to happen during your due diligence period, right? Um, and so I think um, part, part of the benefits are if it's a good clean site and you're platted, you're good to go close and start having your plans drawn. Um, uh, you know, unless you have just a very patient seller who's willing to let you plan and permit the whole thing before closing, right. that's 100% per, uh, entitled anywhere. Um, but in, in, in Houston, you can get your plat approved. You can go through a variance hearing, which, you know, is the, again, it's the closest thing we have to plan development here. And you can get your custom building lines and parking ratios and everything else. And then you can say, okay, well, now I'm entitled. But um, even then, I think 
where Houston applies uh, their need for things like street reconstruction and traffic impact mitigation measures, things like that. Um, it happens at the site plan approval, public works review phase, and so it can inject some uncertainty into the process. And, and I, I think that local, um, the local development community here, and, and Houston's unique, and a lot of it was built by, by hometown guys, um, it, uh, you know, they, it, it happens, they expect it to happen, they know how to navigate it, and so I think that the expectations are different. It's not as though those challenges don't have to be worked through in a zone city, but you, do them, way, yeah. you do them up front. Right. Um, and, um, and, and so I think that, uh, that that's one of the things that are different and makes it challenging to work in Houston, is you're entitled fairly easily, but it's, it's only halfway through the whole process of where you need to be. Yeah, yeah. It's not. So. It's not just the platting process that you have to work right. through early. You also have to go and engage those stakeholders on the the permitting side and mm -hmm. make sure you understand that landscape. Sure. And then you can get it very close to, to the same process. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's right. Permitting tends to be a little more complicated as a result. Yeah, I think too. The city of Houston puts a lot of time into trying and improve their their development process through regulations and committees. And um, I know you and I have had a lot of experience on trying to help on some of those organizations over time. Uh -huh. now, talk us through a little bit of the history of um, the city of Houston and their, their ordinance changes, particularly around subdivision oh. ordinances. Well, yeah, I mean, I, sure, that's timely because we're talking about having another round of um, amendments right now. And, and, you know, even though working in the private sector, it's great to still see how the sausage is made and have an opportunity to, you know, serve on, the, on a committee like yeah. this. And so, it's been a few years. I, I think there were uh, comprehensive, well, to start from the beginning, Houston didn't have a subdivision ordinance until I think 1981 or 82. Um, and it was written by a local attorney here, Jim Doherty, who's, who's a really, really smart land use lawyer, um, very knowledgeable. And he was at the city, city attorney's office when I was three. <laughs> and he, that, but, but I think that's a, it was overdue um, um, because I think, um, Platting was state law starting in 63, and Houston wrote their subdivision ordinance almost 20 years later. And so that, um, I think that was sufficient for a while. And then um, I guess the next big change was 92, when they tried to implement zoning for the last time, when they amended the charter after. Mm -hmm. And so I think in the failure of zoning, I think what happened was you took a lot of the pieces of the zoning ordinance and implemented them separately. You have a subdivision ordinance that is, you know, uh, a fair bit more sophisticated than what you normally expect. Right. A subdivision ordinance in a lot of cities is a few pages. Um, and in Houston, it's, I think we're over 100 now, and it's just a variety of different regulations. And then there's no UDC, so you have um, regulations concerning land development that affect hotels and, and uh, hazardous waste facilities and correctional facilities and um, you know certain adult businesses, a variety of different things that are scattered throughout the code of ordinances and those are uh, bits and pieces of I think Houston zoning ordinance that um, or were adapted and amended to be placed into Something the code. Yeah. And then I think that, um, so in the 90s you saw a series of that kind of stuff and there was a comprehensive rewrite of the subdivision ordinance in 99. Um, and I think that sat for a while, and um, starting in 2007, 2010, 13, 15, there was a rapid fire succession of updates that were, I think, sorely needed by that time. Uh, and I think it's important um, just sitting on 
uh, if I was going to wear my city hat. It's important to observe how the market is changing, the kind of developments that are coming in, and how you know regulations need to be updated to um, react to that. You know, and so we talked earlier about how a city can create a, pus uh, a custom zoning to attract, to be proactive about the type of development they want, and you know maybe the market doesn't feel the same way about it. Where and if you don't do that, you're left reacting, and so regulators are always going to be a step behind where the market's going, and you know even if they don't want to be, even if you want to be responsive. And so um, I think Houston decided, you know, we're going to be a lot more responsive about these kinds of things, and we're going to start amending the code um, proactively every couple of years. And yeah. they they approve a set of amendments, and they immediately convene the committee to start on the, you know, start talking about the next round. And so I don't think a lot of cities do that. So you know, kudos uh, to the city for for doing that. And um, well, and, and on top of that, the way in which they launch these committees is, is pretty neat as well. I mean, you, you're currently serving, you're on the private industry side, but you're serving sure. on the Livable Places um, Action Committee, which yeah. um, I think you started on last August, if I remember right, somewhere around that so, time. Yeah, right? last year sometime. Yeah. yeah. I think it's neat, you know, just working on improving the overall quality of, of the city as a whole, kind of through these committees and engaging folks that work for the city as well as folks that work in the city but for private yeah. industry well houston's really good about that yeah, you know they really always are. bring in stakeholders from super neighborhoods from the development community uh, uh, industry experts they rely on um, um, rice university they rely on uli they they look to you know for good ideas anywhere yeah and um yeah i remember coming up as a baby attorney in the city and um, looking at ordinances in dc and new york and um all over the place. Whatever city has a reputation for doing something well, you know, Houston wants to study their ordinance. That's great. Um, because, um, you know, and, and really having a kind of open regulatory structure allows you to adopt good ideas fairly easily because there are not a lot of uh, zoning constraints. You know, it, it's not, um, you don't have to like untie all the knots before you put in something new, right? Well, it speaks back to your earlier comment about. Um, the, the pro-development culture of the city. Of yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. It's a great place to develop. Yeah. And that, that's why you and I have spend a lot much, of time here. We have too much work to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for serving on, on that committee. I know that, that takes oh, from your, sure, sure, your, yeah. your personal time. And I think you, you know your firm um, does a great job of participating and educating the public mm -hmm. through things like this. Yeah. And well, it's well fun. Serving, it's so. fun. And so yeah. does this. This takes my time, too. But it's fun. Yeah, it you is. Know, it's great. I, 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 really, uh, I really enjoy it you know, this, uh, this sort of uh, working in real estate. Yeah, it's fun. Well, thanks for coming on Texas yeah, sure. Design. We're glad to have you. Yeah. And thank you for all of you for joining in. Uh, if mm -hmm. you've enjoyed this episode with Omar, please go on, uh, like <laughs> this episode. Um, if you're on YouTube uh, or, or uh, give us a five-star rating wherever you uh, consume this podcast. Five stars. Five stars. <laughs> uh, also, uh, follow us on, on uh, social media. And uh, please be on the lookout for future episodes of Texas by Design. Thank you again for joining us. We'll see you again soon. All right. Thank you, Clayton. Thanks. Good so to much. see you. Good to see you.